Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Favors the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! Tries it, don't know. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson does this again. Okay, Hamden Roar quarantine special. We're all locked away within our homes. Let's reminisce about some good times Scotland-wise. Gordon Shiak and Ben Ramage here with me, Andy Barge. The SFA uploaded the Scotland 2-England 2 match to their YouTube at the weekend. I'm sure a lot of you have watched it like the three of us have and watched Griffiths go again and again and again (laughs) and again. Um, So, yeah, let's go, go back to discuss everything that came with that game and after it and how close we were to reaching the playoffs again. Um, so, Ben, let's go back to the start of that England game. Uh, sorry, the day of the England game. What do you remember um, leading up to it? Yeah, so I think we all knew it was a really important game. Uh, we'd struggled a bit at the start of that campaign. We got the, the last-minute draw with Lithuania at home. Uh, we had a two 3-0 hidings from England and Slovakia before that. And then a last-minute win over Slovenia just in the game before it. So it did really feel like, OK, if this group under Strachan is going to work, we have to get some sort of result against England, um, given that we'd already threw some points away. Um, Bob, it's such a big task because England were on that phenomenal run. They hadn't lost in a qualifier since I think it was 2009, maybe. I think it was nearly 10 years. So we, we all knew how big how big a task it was, but we were all up for it. Uh, and it was, compared to at the moment, you know, it's just, you can remember how amazing that atmosphere was. Uh, to begin with, and obviously the hope that we had. Gordon, what can you add? Um, yeah, it was it was a really good day. It was a really really good day. Um, I just recently moved in to it was in bought a place with my my partner together. Um, had a few friends to stay over on the Friday night. Um, I'm trying to work out somehow, given the ticketing system seemed more generous than usual. I think there was about six or seven of us in the group that managed to get tickets to the game. 
so all went through to Glasgow during the day and then in in the pubs before the game. I think the fact it was a it was a five pm kickoff made it all the more attractive to spend the day having a drink beforehand. Um, in terms of confidence wise for the game, I don't think it was really there to be honest. I mean, qualifying campaign for Euro two thousand sixteen was seen as such a huge opportunity for us to finally qualify, and when we didn't do that, I think for a lot of fans, I think the patience with Strachan and the team was on a bit of a sugarly peg and then the crushing blow of drawing at home to Lithuania and then the two away games which I travelled to both of them in Slovakia and England were really starting to make you question why you do this to yourselves which put us into a position where for the whole year of 2017 we were in the last chance saloon we just couldn't afford to drop many more points at all um, and then we had England <laughs> <laughs> the, the Slovakia away game remember being very very different to the England match at Wembley because we put up a really good fight against England at Wembley and I didn't for one second think it was a 3-0 game. Grant Hanley missed a sitter of a header yep. I'm sure yeah. at that 1-0 and then yeah. James Forrest had a chance at the back post and he, he um, kind of screwed his shot wide pulled it almost across the far post and then just after that England went up and scored their second and killed the game whereas in Slovakia I don't remember us competing really at all for any sort of points. Yeah, I think yeah. Slovakia was more of a, a route um, where, as you say, with England, we had chances. Um, and I think we were just discussing about the, the Daily Record back page uh, where they they were perhaps a bit too harsh. There was a bit of a feeling it was a bit harsh on the, the boys. It wasn't it wasn't anything like a 3-0. And it's, you know, Strachan, I think, came out and said as much after the game. Um, so and especially with having England at home, there was just that bit more confidence that sometimes a full of packed Hamden can be a leveller, uh, as it proved to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Lithuania game at home was a bit of a killer at the start of that campaign. I, it's actually not not proud to say it or anything, but the James McCarthy goal is one of the few Scotland goals I've never I've not really celebrated. I remember just standing in my seat and almost took a or standing at my seat. Um, and the West End it would have been and just almost taking like a deep breath a point I remember meant nothing to me it was almost like a relief right at least we've not lost whereas yeah. after that game I, I remember thinking already right it's over group's over we can't we can't not win against Lithuania yeah. at home mm-hmm. yeah especially especially because in, in this group it was only the winners that would qualify and then it was only I think the seven best runners up that would even go to the playoffs and funnily enough spoiler alert for later but it was actually our group where the runner-up didn't get a playoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if if we'd if we'd beaten Slovenia, though, we would have we would have we would have reached it. We would have reached it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we would have reached it. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, we we had um, we had a lot to play. We had a lot of ground to make up. Basically, the win over Slovenia was so important that that really put us on the start of an upward trajectory. Stuart Armstrong's debut. We were just speaking about it there before the pod started recording. I can remember that very, very clearly, thinking that it was, he has to come into the team and he performed exactly exactly like he had been week in, week out for Celtic that season. Yeah, he took to it like a duck to water, really. He just he was running the show, uh, making those incisive runs. His passing was terrific. He just he looked like he was strolling the game. For, a, for an international debut at Hampden, when the pressure's on, it's one of the most impressive, certainly, that I've seen um, just coming in like that. Well, of course, because that, that was probably one of his most productive um, seasons for Celtic as well. I, I took a note there that during that season, he got 17 goals and seven assists from midfield. He was absolutely sensational. 
And I read, I remember reading somewhere that he was actually doing, he was doing an open university law degree. And I'm pretty sure he was supposed to have his final exam on the day of the Scotland England game. So I don't know how that played out eventually. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, am I right in saying that that Slovenia game, and I think it was England at Wembley before that, was when Lee Griffiths was starting to really assert himself as the number one at that moment. Stephen Fletcher started Slovakia away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think Griffiths started against Lithuania at home, but I'm sure Griffiths played at Wembley. And then he yep. hit the woodwork twice at home to Slovenia. Um, so I think that, that was the moment where Griffiths was starting to say, I'm, I'm number nine here. Mm. I think Stephen Fletcher played against Malta and maybe scored um, one or two. But yeah, I think Griffiths, I think Strachan has started to realise that he needed someone a bit more mobile and a bit more deadly up front if you're only going to play one up front. And Griffiths obviously had all of those strings uh, to his yeah. bow. So. And he was certainly, he, he was getting more and more used to international football as well. And you just knew that all he needs is a goal. And I remember that, that game against Slovenia at home, obviously it was Chris Martin who scored the goal late on, but Griffiths had so many really, really good chances. And you were just mm. thinking... When is one going to drop for him? You know, I think the the ones that he hit the woodwork with, though, I think were were unlucky. Like he, he it's like he did everything right, and four yeah. inches difference, it, it would have been in the back of the net. The uh, yeah, the Griffiths thing I remember being interesting because he had had such a good season for Celtic um, a year or two before that. I think he scored about forty goals, and then that season or at, at the England the time of the England game. Celtic had signed Dembele, so Griffiths was second fiddle. He wasn't the main man anymore, but I'm pretty sure he still managed about 18, 19, 20 goals um, playing second fiddle to Dembele. So that kind of shows the player that we had on our hands back then. It's a bit different now. But yeah, he, he was it was vital. Three kicks apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we'll move on to the to the game alone then. Um, we, were, we, were, we were all at it. Yep. Yes, I. Uh, yes. My uh, my brother couldn't make it, so my best mate came along with me. So he was delighted that he managed <laughs> to snaffle a ticket up. And I saw well, I had a I had a cheeky feeling that that might play into our hands because it's always when you can't go to a game that you know it always goes well. So I thought that might have been a lucky omen, and it sort of was. <laughs> where, where did where were you both sitting? So I was in the I was I was in, in the north stand. As usual, um, I th- yeah, I think there were six of us there because I was with I was actually with my mate from Newcastle, the two of us, and then four friends were further down the north stand. Um, and I'm pretty sure actually after England took the lead, someone turned round and said to my mate, "I know you're English." <laughs> <laughs> nice. I I was in the north stand as well. Um, I, it was just and you know the sun was shining. It was such a brilliant day. I think it had actually been really rubbish weather earlier on and then suddenly everything just seemed to start going right. The sun came out. It definitely brightened up. You were saying, Gordon, that you um, you were hitting the pubs before the match. Me, my brother, um, Mikey, one of my mates, Mikey, and a bunch of others, um, we actually, you know where the, the Tesco and the chipping stuff is just outside Hamden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not on the Tory Glen side, on the Mount Florida side. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of tall uh, tower flats behind there with a really nice kind of grassy area and that was rammed there's people <laughs> just people just sitting on that grassy area for i reckon maybe 90 minutes to two hours before kickoff um, so yeah. that, that's where that's where we spent 
pre-game, just having a few cans there. Yeah. We didn't bother with the pubs. Uh, if we were in the Iron Horse, which is very sadly now closed, um, <laughs> but the Iron Horse is always where we've gone uh, before games. And it's a real gutner that that's actually gone now because the atmosphere in there is always good. But they just had that extra, just because it was England, it had that extra bit of extra bit of excitement about the whole thing. Uh, we did the, um, we, were, we were in the counting house before the game and then we, we took advantage of the Scottish FA's uh, offer that, that season to, uh, to do the, the shuttle buses from the bus ah, station, right. which was really good, which was really handy, you know, because a lot of people like to criticise Hamden by saying it's hard to get to. Well, mm-hmm. there's a bus for free. <laughs> <laughs> free bus. <laughs> we, we mentioned as well in, in the group chat when we were planning this, when we watched the game back, that there was no national anthem repeat on YouTube. I think you can get it on other mm-hmm. YouTube videos. I mean, at, at your leisure, but it really was rousing that day. The the flower yeah. of Scotland. I was really surprised because it's one of the things that sticks out in my memory from that day. And so for them to cut it out, I don't know if it was for legal <laughs> reasons or what, but I just remember it. Just you could you almost sense that everyone was singing as full as they could, which isn't always the way against smaller teams, you could sense they were like, no, we're going to make a statement. Yeah. <laughs> and the booing of the God Save the Queen as well was just, <laughs> just like something else. I always find that, I don't know, I don't know if you guys find this, but I always find in Flower Scotland when it gets to the gets to the line and we can still rise now, that I would love for that the decibel level just goes up that little yeah. bit more, people just strain it out a bit yeah. more. <laughs> but, um, we'll have a look at the, the two teams then because I would, I was surprised um, at a few, and it was, it was only th- well, three years ago this summer. There's a few names here that I was surprised to see. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about Akechianya um, being our right wing back on that day. So it was a back three with Berra, Mulgrew, and Tierney, wing backs of Anya and Robertson, and midfield four of Scott Brown. We can we'll discuss that in a minute. Scott Brown, James Morrison, Stuart Armstrong, second cap, and Robert Snodgrass, and then Griffiths up top on his own. A couple of big names on our bench as well. MacArthur, who came on in that game. James Forrest didn't start a Scotland game, which seems quite strange now. Stephen Naismith, Stephen Fletcher, Barry Bannon, Ryan Fraser hadn't been capped yet. So it, it, it was quite a strong strong team and a strong bench. Yeah, it was interesting to see there was Tierney and Robertson playing together, which is one of the few times that we've actually managed to get them both on the pitch at the same <laughs> time. Uh, Tierney playing like further inside and it worked. Um, it really did work. I thought the system worked really well. Um, Snodgrass was maybe the furthest forward trying to support Griffiths, but I thought the midfield of Brown and Morrison, you know, that base was really strong um, and really held England out early on. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, do you know that actually, yeah, Tier- Tierney had, I think, had a very, very good game, but he had a phenomenal season. It was one of the years that he won PFA Young Player of the Year, played 40 games for Celtic that season, but that was actually his birthday. It was his twentieth birthday. Was it twentieth birthday? Wow! Yeah. I did not know that. I hadn't seen that mentioned anywhere. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> I had no idea. He'd he'd only he broke his jaw in the cup final about a month, six weeks prior to that against Aberdeen. Uh-huh. God, yeah. Do you remember when he? That's when he ran, ran back. back he ran back yeah. into the stadium Locked for the trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, another player. Um, we'll quickly discuss it. He had to get subbed off, injured, unfortunately. James Morrison. I feel like if if he was playing at club level somewhere he could still probably do a job in our midfield we've got a lot of good uh, English Premier League players now in that area but it, it feels like Morrison just dropped off the face of the earth as far as international football is concerned 
he was a quality midfielder. I really like watching him play. Really classy, you know, really compact, kept it simple, but his passing was always good. Um, I'm not sure. Did West Brom go down that season? I'm not sure. Um, were they were they down already? Um, well, he's, but, he's, well, he's retired now, Morrison. He, he didn't he uh, didn't he didn't find a club. I'm pretty sure he's only about 33. Remember Aberdeen were allegedly yeah. going to sign him, and then that never happened. Um, I'm pretty sure he has plenty of energy. Um, I think just I think I think the thing the thing for Morrison was that he would always deliver very consistent performances, but never in a particularly flashy way. Like you'd rarely leave a game thinking, "God, I remember that amazing thing that Morrison did, or the skill, or what have you." I mean, apart from the one one of my most memorable moments following Scotland was that incredible three-two friendly against England at Wembley, and it was James yeah. Morrison that scored yeah. the opening goal. And that was absolutely what yeah. moment that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite strange to hear Martin Tyler commentating on a Scotland game. <laughs> I just associate Ian Crocker or Lee McLeod or somebody um, with bringing the Scotland game to us on the TV. But Martin Tyler, I, I like I like Martin Tyler as a commentator. So I think he's great. But it was quite strange um, watching back. I'd never actually watched the full game back until the weekend. There, I've seen the highlights numerous times, but never seen the full game. So it's quite strange just watching throughout hearing Martin Tyler's voice on a Scotland mm-hmm. game. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about you, but I I felt I found it quite cathartic. It was almost like going back to a traumatic experience in your past <laughs> and having to relive it. And you know, because I do just remember the total gutted, like just being so gutted at the end. But obviously, we'll get to that. But it, I did actually really enjoy watching it back. You know, I, from think, a, I, I did, I did as well. It was, it was a really enjoyable game. And look, I think you've got to say hats off to the Scottish FA for for doing this, for putting these games on YouTube, for giving us all something to watch. Because I mean. You have to assume they're probably having to pay money to republish these things. I mean, these are, you know, it's copyrighted material from broadcasters that are probably having to buy in. So absolutely fair play to them for doing it. I did wonder how long it would take them to get this game. I mean, the country's not in the best mental state right now. And I did think, is this a step too far? (laughs) (laughs) Can, Can either of you jog my memory as to what the situation was with Scott Brown? Because remember, he retired at one point and then came back. Was it for this game or was it further down the line? Mm, good question. I can't. I can't quite remember. Was it the? Did he come back to play the the Israel game when when Forrest scored the hat trick? That important one when McLeish was in charge. Did he come back for that? I honestly ha- can't remember. I've got a real gap in my memory here. I'm afraid. But I remember Scott Brown retired and then came back, and there was a big uproar uh, mm-hmm. about. Scott Brown picking and choosing what international games he wanted to come back for. I'm drawing a blank. So I've got I've got it here that he so he he announced his intention to retire after the Euro 2016 qualifying campaign, but then seemed to reverse his decision about four months later. Right. Come. Okay. So I think I think he maybe must have missed maybe the first couple of World Cup qualifiers, but then came back. Oh no! It was the England game at Wembley. He came back for. Is that right? right? Is that right? right. He came back for the England sense. game at Wembley. Yeah, I think, I think that must make more sense, yeah. Okay, right, we've sorted that out then. <laughs> um, right, so actual gameplay. I, I thought Scotland looked pretty good. First half, we had lots of corners. Uh, there wasn't much yeah. goal-mouth action. Ben Foster didn't really have much to do, and England had the best opening. It was a header off the line from Tierney. I think Harry Kane lobbed it towards the goal. Craig Gordon, a bit of a yeah. poor clearance, and then Rashford's follow-up was saved. Um, but I think Scotland gave a good account of themselves first half. Certainly didn't deserve to be uh, a goal down if, if that situation had transpired. 
Yeah, I think we started really well. We pressed really high and there, there was just so much energy. I think Strachan had obviously said, you know, we need to get at them, try and rattle them a bit. And, uh, and the system really worked. We had so many bodies in the centre that they just, and with three at the back as well, with Kane up front, he was just so isolated and it just, it really did work. You could sense as the half went on, the legs just started to tire a bit and England started to maybe start to pick up a few spaces. I think halftime actually came at a good point. We actually needed a, a chance to get a breather and regroup. Yeah. No, definitely. I think you could you could certainly see watching the game back that Robertson and Anya were trying to push as high up the field as possible. So it meant that when one of England's defensive midfielders or one of England's fullbacks got the ball, they would have either you know Robertson and uh, like Snodgrass in their face quite quickly. They were always pressing, always closing down very quickly. Um, did, did. Sorry, Gordon, go on. No, I was just going to say, just, just looking back at my notes, just something, something that amazed me that I completely passed me by from the game. Scott Brown was booked in the third minute oh, and played the entire yes. game. <laughs> it was okay. absolutely a booking as well. It was a Deli Alley, maybe. He absolutely mm-hmm. went through someone. It was, it was a classic oh, yeah. let him know you're there sort yeah, of challenge. That was that was a marker, wasn't it? It was like, you're at Hamden. This is our patch. Um I thought Anya was terrific. Watching Anya back, it was, it was just a breath of fresh air, you know. I always just remember how confident he is. You know, it didn't matter who he was playing. It was the same, I remember, in Germany, the away game in Germany. It doesn't matter who he was playing against. He would. He just has this sort of inner belief in himself that maybe Strachan had instilled. But yeah. it was great to see him playing, playing so well. I'm always really fond of him. It's a shame that Anya's not getting much game time at the moment. I checked up on this. He's still contracted to Derby. I don't think he's kicking a ball. Well, no one is just now, but this season, I don't think he's kicked a ball much at all. But at a time when we're um, on the lookout, I suppose, for a, a right back to a right really back, state yeah. their claim for a, for a place that Anya's only in his early 30s, 32 or so. Mm-hmm. It's probably not out of the question if he was getting a regular game in the English Championship. Yeah, he's certainly like at a time when the Scotland squad didn't seem to have a great deal of pace about it. He was just an absolute bolt of lightning through that midfield. I mean, mm. the way that he could just—he could always be the out ball because you put the ball into the channel, he would always get it, and he'd have that perfect combination of a little drop of the shoulder, a little bit of skill. And I mean, I remember it was the in the previous campaign, the the home game against Macedonia. He had that fullback tortured that fullback all game, and he drew the penalty for, for yeah. one of our goals because he again he just dropped the shoulder went past him drew the foul won the penalty he was, a, he was a really good player for us and I'd love to know how many kilometres he ran in this game because <laughs> I was I was keeping a note he was occasionally he'd appear in that almost a centre back position then he's right back then he's right wing back then he's right wing pushed high I mean what a shift he put in likeable guy as well Anya I think I think he'd won Football Writers International Player of the Year uh, mm-hmm. the year before that as well so he was on a yeah. bit of a, a trajectory fans favourite at that time mm-hmm. and all his goals actually I think he scored three for Scotland just when you mentioned going down the channel there they were all pretty much like that he scored one against Macedonia away yeah. there where he latched onto it down the left and did he score in a friendly against the Czech Republic he did yeah he did yeah that was and, and, again and then, flying down left similar to the Germany yeah. goal and the yeah. Germany goal as well yeah now he's, he, was a, he was a great player for us and I think sadly missed at the moment in the in the squad mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so yeah, we went in half-time, nil-nil. Second half, the, the first thing that really caught my eye was England hitting the post. 
with a deflected Jake Livermore shot and then the subsequent 18-yard box scramble after it. I can remember at the game, my heart being in my mouth at that stage. Yeah, and I was a bit worried that they'd sort of got the measure of us at that point. I thought maybe they've they've worked out, they've gone in at halftime, worked out the system and they were just starting to get through us a bit easier. And when the one hit the post, you're thinking, right, is this going to be proper backs to the wall? But I think we actually really started to grow into it after that. They really rallied um, and started to, we actually started to have a few really good chances. Um, yeah. I remember Grifter, one that really got me was Griffiths played played inside really well and cut it back to Robertson just on the edge of the box. He had the mm-hmm. chance to hit it first time and he just sliced, he took a touch and then sliced it and you just think really if he'd have put us up at one now then, you know, who knows what could have happened. But well again, even 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 before that we had a I think a semi decent penalty shout as well where the ball went through and Griffiths was he, he was he was clever enough to make his run across Kyle Walker and then go down, which look it's probably not a penalty, but it's one of those ones you've seen them given, and he's a smart enough boy to do that. I think Gary Neville was right in his assertion, though, that that really lifted the crowd. In yeah. commentary, he says you can hear the noise starting to grow. That's encouraged the home support. Yeah. Just Griffiths' um, penalty we claim in the box, something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The yeah again, I don't think I think England. I don't really recall them seeming to get out of second or third gear they weren't exactly ramming the door down and, and battering us we were fairly comfortable most of the yeah. game in the second half and although we didn't really threaten them too much but I don't remember England really threatening us overly much either I remember it was, certainly so, uh, sorry, sorry Ben I was, I was just going to say I remember certainly so I, I always like to you know before a game get my straws on the table and see which ones I'm going to clutch to and I remember the straw I was clutching at that game was that both teams hadn't played for weeks. You know, this was the 5th of June. So, I mean, the guys in the English Premier League w- wouldn't have played for three, four weeks and the Championship guys even longer than that. So, I mean, no one was particularly that fit. I mean, I remember there was a story at the time that England had been off training with the SAS for some photo opportunity oh, yeah. the week before, you know. So, you're right, though, that England never seemed like they came out of second gear. Maybe because they didn't want to, maybe because they couldn't. But yeah, it wasn't that impressive a performance from them. Mm-hmm. James MacArthur came on. He's another that I think would still be in and about the squad if he was uh, available to Steve Clark at the moment. Uh, reliable person to come on and replace Morrison. I think that I was surprised <clears throat> that this was Ryan Fraser's debut for Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't believe that. Yeah, came on, came on for Snodgrass. Um, that was he'd been having a decent season for Bournemouth. But yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest change was when Chamberlain came on. I think they they were they were needing someone that was just a bit more direct, that was just gonna run. And he he had the he had the pace as well to just get through. Um I mean the first goal it all came about from Tierney. Tierney didn't clear the ball. Gordon then sort of had had to clear it out, but we never really got the shape back. Mm-hmm. And then Brown, I remember seeing Brown had two, he had Chamberlain and someone else. So he sort of, he was caught in between the two, Chamberlain came in. And watching back, I couldn't actually believe, I'd forgotten how poor Gordon's attempt to save it actually was. I mean, it was really right down his throat and he almost sort of Matrix style leant back and it went <laughs> over it. I was like, if he'd have just stood up, he actually could yeah. well have saved it because it was that close to him. 
Vida just stood up, but I don't know if he was maybe trying to preempt it going low. So he was kind of trying to get down, ready to go bottom corner. But either way, it was a real, it was a real gutner to lose that in that in that manner. Yeah, I think I think I think if we're if, if we're being kind, he probably had the sun in his eyes quite badly at that point because the sun was pretty low at that point and he was looking up at it. But I remember from from my view from the stands. Oxley Chamberlain just seemed to just drift inside almost in slow motion and then almost shoot yeah. in slow motion as well. The ball just went so slowly into the net. It was yeah. There were there yeah. were two really feeble attempts to get the ball off him. Scott Brown initially, very unlike him, went in quite half heartedly to the fifty fifty challenge. And then Tierney and Armstrong kind of almost to each other. Like like um yeah. They were. They both had the opportunity to go and close him down, and both went away. It was like magnets pushing each other away <laughs> from from each other from from Oxide Chamberlain and Tierney, and then he they got the shot away and Craig Gordon with absolute chocolate wrists yeah. and letting it in. That was certainly that was certainly something that Gary Neville kept coming back to in commentary was just how often Craig Gordon was fisting things out rather than catching things, mm-hmm. and maybe that was. It seemed to be a theme in that game that Craig Gordon just wasn't catching things. Yeah, and unfortunately, it came towards the end as well. Um, yeah, but to be fair, to be fair, we really did rally after after that as well because that that could have been you could have been thinking right, well, that's it now. Yeah, but I see Chris Martin coming on made a made a difference again. Just gave us that extra body, and he actually helped win the the first free kick as well. Um, mm-hmm. England England had the chance to be out of sight. Lalana missed a header that he should have hit the target with um, towards the back post, kind of maybe around eight yards out or so, and he's just nodded it over the over the crossbar without any conviction whatsoever. I remember when Oxley Chamberlain scored, though. I don't know if if you guys were the same. I just accepted that was it. We're not coming back from this. Yeah, I, I maybe wasn't as far because I did think we were playing quite well, and I thought. Well, there's still maybe 20 minutes to go. You're going to get a chance. Um, but it certainly felt like it was an uphill struggle to get anything more than a draw, which, to be honest, we probably needed a win at that point to to actually qualify. Uh, so it was it was total, you know, like it think, was a gut. I think certainly, I think given, given what had happened in the previous game at home to Slovenia, the fact that when you see that Chris Martin's coming on, I think you maybe felt a bit more optimistic about that because he had scored the late, the late goal before that you suddenly thought, okay, actually, well, maybe maybe this is a move that could work. Um, although I, I did have in my notes that um, in the 85th minute, you could hear the England fans singing, you're just a shit San Marino. But <laughs> given what happened next, it's just so perfect. Because <laughs> I, rem- I remember being really annoyed at that <laughs> at the time. <laughs> let's, let's move on to that then. Um, Griffith's first free kick. An incredible, incredible moment. Who would have known that it would be the, the precursor to an even better moment? Can you remember anything about when it went in? Can you can you remember it hitting the back of the net or is it all a blur? I can I can really remember turning to my mate and saying, This is too far out. I just remember saying that. I was like, this is too far out. You should just play a wee ball into the back post. I was just like, this is this is never going in. And then, obviously, <laughs> I was eating my words two seconds later. <laughs> but I've never been happier too because it was just such a was such a release around the stadium. I think, and you felt for Griffiths as well because he'd done so well 
not just in that game, but in other games that hadn't scored. So it was all those wrapped up into one. His first goal is an equaliser against England at Hampden. You know, it couldn't have been any better for him, really, and for us. <laughs> Gordon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny It's funny because it, it's kind of hard to even sort of parse your memories in your head as to which goal was which because they came so, so soon after one another and they're so almost identical um, that, yeah, just an unbelievable celebration, which then somehow was followed by an even more unbelievable celebration. Yeah. It's... It's quite weird. I, I don't know if if it's the right thing to do to cling to, to moments like these because ultimately it was futile. We didn't win the game. So the Griffiths goal, it's not that it counts for nothing, but it didn't. It's not as special as it could have been. But it's understandable for us to to do podcasts on stuff like this and, and cling to the moments because that, that was, I think, by some distance, the best moment. I've had as a Scotland supporter and looking back to things like Maloney against Ireland or McFadden against France, the, it, the Griffiths free kicks are on a different level, especially the yeah. second one. 100%, 100%. Because, because it's last minute, because it's England, because it's at Hamden, and obviously because we were there as well, because because it's a, a, a memory we were actually there and because we've not qualified for something since 98. I mean, I think, obviously... It could be the worst goal in the world, but if it's the goal that qualifies us for a tournament, that'll be the best moment we've ever experienced. But yeah, I'm completely with you. It's, it's the best memory I've ever had as a, as a Scotland fan. I was actually sat right in line where I was in the North Stand. I was kind of just meeting the, the West Stand, so I was in line with the, the goal line, pretty much, give or take a yard or so. Just mm-hmm. incredible. That that view for the set, for the sec- oh, for both of them, but especially the second, the Sky Camera kind of pulls out as Griffiths and the players are running behind the net yeah. and the the mishmash of people in the the west stand and a bit of the north stand limbs everywhere it's just colors combining it's yeah. quite funny do you know every time if you go onto youtube right a tip for the listeners that probably a lot of you have already done it if you go on and watch that goal 10 times over just fo- don't watch the ball or Griffiths just focus your attention on a small segment of the crowd each time and you'll just laugh every time the ball goes in at the reaction of every bit of the the crowd just try and focus on one person or two people it's just brilliant yeah yeah i always remember for the second one my pal lifted me up he just sort of like grabbed me by the waist and lifted me up and i just so i was sort of two or three feet above like head level and just looking around and it was just (laughs) bodies just everywhere just absolute just bedlam it was just it was unbelievable um and for the second one, it was the total opposite. The first one, I was like, that's too far out. But the second one, I thought, well, he's actually found his range now. I always think with free kick takers, they need maybe one or two to find their range. But I thought, well, he's done that. So he knows he knows how to hit it. It's just about getting in the right place. And obviously he did it and the rest was history. I actually feel that Gary Neville was quite harsh on Joe Hart. Yeah. He's saying that it was poor from the goalkeeper on both occasions. He should be saving both of them. Yeah, sour grapes, sour grapes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you could you could argue. I mean, they weren't right in the top corner or right in the bottom corner for the second one, but they were both hit with a bit of dip, a bit of curl yeah. pace, yeah. the whip, the whip yeah. on them. I mean, it's a, I yeah. mean, it's all it's all well and good watching a replay back in slow motion and saying, well, Joe Hart is slow to get down to it, but you're right, he hits them with such pace. Griffiths Griffiths knows that the first one's in. 
basically <laughs> when it, as soon as it's over the wall. But you yeah. can see that the ball is not in the net or near the yet and, and near the net, and he's already started his celebration. He knows it's in. The second mm-hmm. one went up and down really quite quickly. I, I'm not sure why it was judged to have been a, a heart error. A hundred percent. When you when you hit a free kick right like that, no matter unless the keeper's in exactly the right position, you can't stop it. That's just how it is. You're getting up and down over the wall. There's only so many players that can do it. That's why no one. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it all the time. You know, the fact that he managed it twice in the space of four minutes to take us from losing to winning at that point, you know, that was incredible. So to to put it down to heart is honestly just ridiculous. Yeah, one of my one of my favourite memories actually from watching back from the second goal is that you see just after the ball's hit the net that Berra and MacArthur were following the ball in. And they just somehow, they're facing each other and they just jump and catch each other in the air in a hug. And I'm just like, that's just the most pure moment in all this chaos around (laughs) two men hugging in (laughs) midair. Honestly, it was like schoolboy stuff that. It's it's so wholesome to watch. It's just the the natural reaction for them just to leap into each other's arms like that. It's it's brilliant. um, do, Do you think it was a free kick on Chris Martin? Well, see, I thought, I thought at first I was like, right, he's done really well. He's won us another free kick. But when you watch it back, the way, even the way he throws his arms in the air, is really <laughs> theatrical. But the ref is just, he's straight to it. There's no question. Yeah. He's like, yeah. So, but again, so Martin was involved with both of those free kicks. So, you know, fair play to him. He was absolutely, absolutely pivotal in that. And look, I think the second one, it's a free kick every day of the week. But Livermore slips. Like, there's no way Livermore means to go sliding in on Chris Martin. He slips, but he cleans yeah. him out, so it's a fair free kick. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know about you guys. Did you, when the second free kick was given, did you guys just have a feeling that it was going in? Because, I don't know, like, sometimes you almost, you almost catch this feeling that you're maybe part of something, that you're part of something incredible. Like, the, the unbelievable is suddenly possible. And I don't always do this, but I filmed the second goal on my phone because I was just like, this is going in. This is definitely going in. So yeah. I've got I've got a video and I will I will dig it out. I posted it on Twitter a few years ago. I'll dig it out so we can reshare it again. But I've got a video of the goal and all the I, celebrations afterwards. I I don't think that I'd come down from the high of the first goal yet when the second <laughs> one was was given. I, I can't actually remember much about this moment. I remember in my head. I don't know if I've fabricated this, but in my head, I've, from where I was standing, I've got the image of the ball hitting the net when it went in. I actually thought it had gone the other side. I didn't I didn't realise Griffiths had bent it near side. I thought he'd yeah. bent it kind of this the same corner as the first one. Yeah. Uh that's that's what I thought had happened. And it was I just scenes I was away down the stairs and, and it was just brilliant. Um but I don't actually remember the free kick being awarded or the the build up to it where Griffiths and Armstrong are standing over it or anything like that. I can't remember. Do you think here's a here's a question for you guys. Had we held on and won the game, do you think it would have been a pitch invasion? Well, I'd never thought of that actually. I'm not sure because it it's not like an end of the, mm. the competition. You know, I think maybe if it had been to qualify, then yeah. potentially. But because there were still home games coming, I'd always be worried that you'd get put on a list and then you wouldn't oh, be yeah. able to go <laughs> to the next home games. Do you know what I mean? So the ten most embarrassing pitch invasions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I probably would have chickened out, but yeah, it was, it was just. It wouldn't have surprised me if a few. If a few did it, yeah, and then it's just a case of it's the damn burst thing. Uh, yeah, if, if a few go on, does that just encourage? Well, I, 
Maybe. I, I, I certainly don't think it would have been out with realms of possibility. Yeah. <laughs> the the equaliser, obviously, we have to we have to speak yeah. about that. Um, Can I just what, ask though? Did you feel like stopping the video at that point? And just pretending that the last <laughs> the extra time wasn't given. I did. I, there was a definite moment where I was like, I don't actually know if I want to watch this back. I wasn't sure if I was ready. It's okay. it's it's the worst the worst minute of my life as a, as a Scotland fan. In fact, being two one up, I didn't enjoy it at all. No, because we had two minutes, three minutes to play, yeah. and then the nerves were shredded. And Absolutely. they got a free kick right on the edge of the box. And you're just thinking, yeah. wouldn't this be typical if they scored from this? And then Gordon saves it and you think, oh, we're out. We're, we're yeah. clear. We're running up the other yeah. end of the pitch. I can remember I can remember that, actually. That Watching it back as, was it Kyle Walker? Bertrand, I can't remember. Whoever it is that clips the ball in for Kane's goal. As he spins... Sterling, Sterling was it? As yeah. he spins back on himself and prepares to clip the ball in, as the ball's floating in the air... It's agonising knowing what's about to this is going unfold here. <laughs> yeah, because it, you, I overanalyze it. I mean, look, Armstrong, of course he should have cleared it or passed it to Griffiths instead of, or passed it to, was it Fraser on the left? Instead of going right anyway, he should have passed it to the left. But that that's just the, I feel it's unfair to pin the blame on Armstrong because that was just the first error of a few Charlie Mulgrew falls completely asleep and lets Harry Kane, who is, still is and was at that point one of the best strikers in the world, just drift off him. And Craig Gordon absolutely shits himself from coming for the ball. He, yeah. You can see him kind of takes a step forward and then he starts going back. It's it's just a catalogue of, of errors at yeah. the most pivotal point in the game. And that's why I come back when I interview some former professionals for this podcast. I ask them, is there a a problem with coping with pressure and playing for Scotland because we never seem to do it to do it right and I think that is the the prime example Charlie Mulgrew switching off Craig Gordon not willing to take responsibility and the balls in the back of the net yeah I think there was three mistakes and you picked them all up the Armstrong pass should have either gone left or just gone long I always have the conversation with my brother that if it was an Italian player he maybe would have just hit it long because they have this winning mentality and they think if I boot this up into the corner flag, even if they get it back, it's not dangerous. You know, the game is done. And then as you say, Mulgrew to, to leave Harry Kane unmarked in the box is honestly unforgivable. And a little bit of me has never forgiven him. Cause I just think how, how could you actually switch off from a center forward of that quality at that moment? And yes, Gordon doesn't come for it, but I feel like he would probably be expecting, he wouldn't be expecting Kane to be unmarked in the box at that point, you know, so he, it's almost too late for him. He's never been that good in the air. Uh, for me personally, I don't think he's as good in the air as he is at shot stopping. Um, mm. But, you know, yes, he could have come and punched it clear and we could have won. But it, as you're saying, it's that mentality thing, you know, is it just the pressure that just gets to these players? And is it, a, is it the level that these players are, you know, that they just, when they, when the chips were really down at that moment, the three of them combined, and Kane, Kane held his nerve. Again, that was a fantastic finish. Not many strikers would have finished that away as, as comfortably, but unfortunately, sure. it was Kane. Yeah, yeah. I think some, something that really surprised me watching it back again was that my memory of being there at the game was that the time in between Griffiths making it 2-1 and the equaliser, it felt at the game like it was about 15, 20 minutes. It was just unbelievably long period of time. 
but it's incredible watching it back in real time. But it's only about ninety seconds, yeah. and it's no time at all. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely spot on there, definitely. You know? But I mean, and again, though, like you know, as we said earlier about England's first goal, that it just seemed to go in in slow motion, like that little hoofed, lofted, clipped cross from Sterling. Again, it just it it seemed to hang in the air for yeah. an ungodly period of time before yeah. it dropped in. I I can say though that although gutted after this game, I I walked back to the city centre and I was on the phone to my dad for about half an hour just dissecting what had happened and trying to digest what I'd witnessed. It's not it's not the worst I've felt after a Scotland game. I, I felt worse after the Poland game at Hamden yeah. two two. A hundred percent because because that was more final. At, at this yeah. point, that point could have still been the draw with England could have still been something that yeah. helped us qualify. So there was still so much hope left. Yes, it was annoying we hadn't won, but that could have been the point that maybe would have got us into the playoffs. So mm. it was hard to be, whereas, as you're saying, the Poland one was so final. It was like, no, this is it. You know, you're out. Yeah, it was similar to Italy in 2007. Yeah. 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 It, was just, it, it, was, it, it was hard to really know what to feel, though, because you'd been on such an unbelievable emotional roller coaster, being almost as high as you can imagine being, then suddenly being as low as you can imagine being. And I remember... My friends and I went back into town and we went for food afterwards and we were all just fairly flat, to be honest, and having some food. And I remember reading, I was looking on Reddit and reading comments after the game and the one comment that I read that sort of started to perk me off a little bit was someone who summed up the game by saying, England snatch humiliation from the draws of total humiliation. (laughs) And that that kind of summed up to me and it kind of contextualised it by saying, that wasn't a great result for England either. You know, even a draw against us wasn't good for them. So, yeah, yeah that helped. <laughs> I remember watching, like, just watching it back uh, this weekend as well. Was the the way that England was celebrating the equaliser, mm-hmm. and I thought for them to be celebrating an equaliser when they were one nil up with four minutes to play, you know, that's that's actually, you know, it showed how well we did actually do to get that far back. Southgate went mental at the equaliser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the shots of Strachan actually celebrating the goals warm warm my heart a wee bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. We'll we'll come to Strachan's uh, sacking at the end of the podcast, but we, this was no the Slovenia game was the the catalyst, but this really continued us on the trajectory and the unbeaten twenty seventeen competitively. Anyway, we we went on, and then the Slovakia game at Hamden was just raucous. I, I've never seen. Hamden like that after a game before in my life after yeah. Scuttle's own goal it was so deserved as well because it was it felt like it was going to be one of those games where we were the better team but we didn't win and it was going to cost yeah. us and so it was almost like actually everything went right for us you know that little <laughs> goal at the end it it was like a little flip and that's when the belief really started for me that god we could actually get second and Anya was so pivotal in that game as well he came on for Tierney at right back because we played four at the back against Slovakia Tierney hesitant to go forward on his right foot. Anya came on, latched onto the through ball from Griffiths and then put the ball across. And Tierney would never have been in that forward yeah. position on the overlap. So Anya was critical mm. for us at that at that stage. And w- when that went in, you're, you're totally right. It was completely deserved. They had gone down to 10 men. They're, one of their players got a second yeah, yellow for diving. About, yeah, about yeah, and, um, yeah. And that, that was in the first half. So it, we, were, we were really by far the more comfortable and better team. And you're right, Ben. It felt, oh my God, is this is this one that's going to get away from us? We've we've put we've almost put Slovakia in their place here after they pumped us at, at, at their bit, but we're just not going to get the goal. And then, of all people, Martin Scuttle, probably their the most well-known name is the one that puts yeah. it in the 
in the back of the net for us. Mm-hmm. And it gave us that chance with Slovenia as the last game to to go in to get that second spot. And then you know we go one nil up at halftime. Mm-hmm. Griffiths really brilliant finish. I remember that it was really classy Griffiths yeah. sort of clinical finish. And then it never it obviously never happened in the end. Two set pieces, wasn't it? Yeah. And but I remember Snodgrass equalised late, and then there was another chance. There was one last chance in extra time. Was it? Dan I remember Fletcher? who had it. Was it Fletcher? I can remember. And did, did he hit it on the half volley and just sort of like get under the ball? Yeah, and just That's right. Boon it up. And yeah. He was, yeah, it would have been such a moment for him to score the yeah. goal. You know, yeah. And it was, uh, but it's ifs, buts, and maybe's as, as usual. The, the, the Slovenia game when Griffith scored, I thought we're on our way here because again we were comfortable and it was just two lapses in concentration that screwed us from the for the Slovenia goals and Snodgrass's was a, a great finish but it was it was too little too late by yeah. that stage I think we conceded the one that put us 2-1 down I'm pretty sure there was only about 20 minutes or so to go the mountain to climb and it, but again you know we're talking about the set pieces a lot in that campaign and it was maybe just that the defence wasn't good enough you know for international level, maybe that defence just wasn't good enough. No matter how much work Strachan did with them, when you put them up against, you know, Slovenia and Slovakia had good attacking players. England had good attacking players, and we just conceded too many. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's probably probably accurate. What one game that I do remember fondly is beating Lithuania away from home three 0 because that that felt like one of those banana skin games where all yeah. the momentum we've built over the past couple of months could be undone in 90 minutes here but we pumped him Armstrong yeah. scored a good header Robertson scored a, a cracker yeah yeah. Carl, I was having Carl, Carl, from the edge of the box yeah yeah no that was that was that, that was an excellent performance absolutely yeah. brilliant although um, although I'm, I'm annoyed because the only the only game I've been away in Lithuania was when we drew 0-0 under Craig Levine so <laughs> <laughs> would have much rather gone to that one <laughs> the I was I was gutted after the the Slovenia game. I'm obviously I'm sure you you both were too because that that felt like a an opportunity gone. I don't think Slovenia had anything to play for if I remember correctly. It was between us and Slovakia for that spot. And if we had won, we would have had enough points to qualify for the playoffs. As it was, Slovakia, who were a point or two behind us, ended up finishing second with a win, but not enough overall. That game led to or that failure to reach the playoffs led to the sacking of. Gordon Strachan, how do you reflect on that, Gordon? Um, I, I think I think it probably was a natural time to leave. Really, I mean, he'd had he'd had two full campaigns, and obviously we we had done well enough in Euro two thousand sixteen qualifying, but not qualified. So we'd lost momentum halfway through that campaign, and then the World Cup two thousand eighteen campaign. I think I think for a lot of fans. He was sort of on on his last warning, effectively, and just another failure to qualify. People were just looking at it quite in quite a binary way. I think now, if you look back on actual results and performances and the players he brought in, I mean, I, I was looking at all the players he actually gave debuts to. Um, like Andy Robertson made his debut under under Strachan, so did Tierney, Anya, Armstrong, Ryan Fraser. You know, good good players for us. You know that he brought in, and he, he did get a great atmosphere in the team. And but I think, given that the Nations League were coming in, I think that was maybe a good time to bring in a new manager because 
they had a lot of games before the next qualifying campaign would start, so it it, it made sense for new ideas to come in at that point. Mm-hmm. I was okay. I was always really fond of Strachan, and I really liked the way he tried to get us playing. After Levine, it was just such a breath of fresh air that we were actually going to have a system, we were going to attack, you know, we weren't just going to sit in. Um, but as you were saying, I think because he'd had he'd already had a few campaigns, it wasn't like anyone could say that he didn't have time. You know, this was his group of players, especially for this campaign. I thought the Euros previously was was almost worse because every every other home nation played yeah. and it had been expanded. So that was like, right, so you've not done it in that one. You really need to do it in this one. And when you look back at the, the Lithuania draw, um, I, I just think it was it was the right time to, to mix it up. Um, but it certainly wasn't one that I was calling for. I wasn't desperate for him to go, as has been the case with some managers. And I think that's testament to him, you know, that he did he did a really good job. And perhaps maybe just the defence, especially, just wasn't good enough for us to qualify out of these groups. Yeah, I, I wanted Strachan to stay. I, I thought that it was a momentum thing. And I know he'd had two strikes. I, I was feeling confident, though, with the squad that he was building. I, what I always felt was that the players really played for him, that they, they really valued him as a manager, as a coach, uh, as someone that they can get advice from. That, like, they had a proper relationship with him. Yeah. Um, I, I did like, as you just mentioned there, Gordon, some of the players he'd brought through. He he was willing to make changes. I never really bought the, Ostrakin just sticks with tried and tested who he knows, what Favourite. he knows sort of thing. Yeah, I never really bought that. I thought he was he was happy to mix it up from time to time, give some new players a chance. Um, and I did feel that we were on the cusp of really getting a, a settled, maybe not always winning, but a pretty successful team with a, with a decent manager. And look, it might be different if we'd appointed somebody who had a more successful term after him rather than Alex McLeish. We might be talking about this all differently, but the way that it panned out, I think that it would have been my preference to see him stay. I think certainly. I think he was unlucky in that you talk about momentum with Scotland team, and I think I think in international football, momentum is so important that so often you see teams put together good runs of fixtures, and then maybe a winter break comes or a summer transfer window comes, and just for some reason that momentum just seems to dissipate a little bit. I think Strachan was unfortunate because if you look at the start of his campaign, he had about a full qualifying campaign's worth of really, really good results. If you look at the second half of the World Cup qualifying campaign for 2014, when we beat Croatia home and away, we beat Macedonia away from home, and then going into the start of the Euro 2016 qualifying campaign, where we beat Ireland at home, that was a lot of really, really good results. But unfortunately, it came over two campaigns. <laughs> and, and then you saw in 2016, we lost the momentum where we couldn't keep that momentum going and that was unfortunate yeah yeah you're right you're definitely right there the the start of the 2018 one with the the draw at home to lithuania and then the way that we lost against slovakia um were were criminal really and like there's always the argument like if you can't beat lithuania at home you don't really deserve to be going to a major tournament yeah yeah definitely well, look, we've got lots of international football to come over the the next wee while when football gets back up and running because they're going to have to cram so so much <laughs> in here. Uh, so we'll hopefully have plenty more pods to look forward to coming up. Ben and Gordon, thanks for joining me. Hamden Roar, next time. Thanks, Ed.
Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.